ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Hit us up on the Candy call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And, Harry, it's a big day in the National Football League, and not because today's date is a palindrome, which means it reads the same way forward as it does backward, but it's a big day <laughs> because we have the opening of the franchise tag window, which runs from today through March 8th. And so teams that have pending free agents that want to hold on to guys and can't necessarily work out the long-term contract in the short term before March 16th, which re- when which is when free agency starts, they have the opportunity to put the tag on them and have exclusive exclusive negotiating rights with that individual player uh, until they can determine what the long-term future would look like. So with that being said, we figured that this would be a natural opportunity for us to play a little game that we like to call Tag, You're It. And so, Shannon, if you would... Let's get some music going. Let's run down the list of some of the players that are going to get involved with this franchise tag action in the next couple of weeks. I'm, I'm just curious before we start. Were you guys like freeze tag guys? What was your favorite form of tag? I still play freeze tag now with my daughter at home that's five years old. So I'm playing whatever <laughs> tag there is out there to play, Shannon. I will no, hit- I was more of a hide-and-go-seek kind of guy. Oh. I'm just saying, Shannon. I was more of a hide-and-go-seek oh, kind sure, of guy. Chris, tag, you'd be sure it. Sure, it yeah. was hide-and-go-seek. Okay, Hide-and-go-seek. Uh-huh. Or hide-and-go-get it, however you want to play it. However you want to call it, hide-and-go-get it. All right, well, let's see if Devontae Adams can get paid in Green Bay. All right, Chris, I'll start with you. The Green Bay Packers, should they franchise tag Devontae Adams? What do you think? Uh, I think they should franchise tag Devontae Adams, but this is only to buy them time to figure out what Aaron Rodgers is going to do and give them maximum flexibility when it comes to shaping their roster because I got to believe if Aaron Rodgers isn't coming back, there's no way Devontae Adams is going to sign that tag. And recognizing their salary cap situation, that would be a huge number that the Packers would have to carry, over $18 million on their salary cap this year which would force them to make some really tough decisions before the start of the new league year, which is in the middle of March. So I think they tag them, but that's only a, as a placeholder until they can figure out exactly what they're going to do with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, this is a no-brainer for me. Devontae Adams, I think he's the best wide receiver in the National Football League. But you buy you buy a little bit of time to see what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. You got also got to look at Green Bay, just about their entire receiver core. Or free agents. I think one guy is a restricted free agent, so that's something else you got to watch out for as well. All right, let's move on to Cincinnati Bengals free safety Jesse Bates. Harry, should the Bengals franchise tag Jesse Bates? Yes, but I think in order to get a new deal, you have to do it at first until you can work out one. You look at Jesse Bates. They drafted him four years ago. I think him and Von Bell being paired together is the best safety tandem in the National Football League. You see the impact that this young man has on the football field. The first play of the game against the Tennessee Titans. Interception, Jesse Bates. Overtime against who? Patrick Mahomes. He gets that tip pass to allow Von Bell to get the interception. Two big plays right there, but he's been consistent within those four years of being in that organization, find a way to get it done. Harry, you're throwing a whole lot of shade toward Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde up there in Buffalo. I'm just <laughs> saying they were a part of the number one defense in the National Football League, probably one of, arguably one of the best safety tandems out there. But I'm with you. I would want to keep Von Bell and Jesse Bates the third together. There's a reason why the guy has a C on his chest, and he's a huge part of the culture change that's happened in Cincy the last couple of years since they've got Joe Burrow. So to me, this would be 
a lease with an option to buy. I'm going to franchise tag him, see how this season goes, because the franchise tag number four safety is relatively low number. You're talking about right around $13 million. They've got $49 million in cap space, so they can bear the brunt of that while they figure out what they want to do, what a long-term deal for Jesse Bates the third looks like. But, yeah, you got to keep that guy around town. He's going nowhere. This is Chris Canny and Harry Douglas on ESPN Radio playing a little game of tag. You're it. Shannon, what you got up next? All right, Chris, here we go. New England Patriots cornerback J.C. Jackson. Should the Pats franchise tag Jackson? Chris, what do you got? Yeah, I I think they should. I mean, there's an argument to be made that J.C. Jackson is the best corner in all of football. And so I think you tag him right now, but it's just a placeholder because you want to work out a long-term extension this offseason. You want to figure out a way to keep him around beyond 2022. I think that has to be the objective for Bill Belichick and company. Keep it in mind also, you got a quarterback on a rookie deal, but the identity of your team is on the defensive side of the ball and really that defensive backfield. So you want to keep the biggest part of that on that side of the ball. You want to keep that guy happy. That's why, to me, you you try to work out a long-term deal with J.C. Jackson, but you put the tag as a placeholder in order to do that. Shannon, you call him J.C., I call him Action Jackson because he's about all that action against number one wide receivers, number two wide receivers. It Mm. doesn't matter. Number one tight end, J.C. Jackson's going to get it done. The last four years, nobody has had more interceptions than him. That's 25. You look at a Bill Belichick defense, what's the one staple that has always been a footprint on that defense? A guy that can lock you up on the outside. It's a reason why they got rid of Stephon Gilmore because J.C. Jackson is that guy now. Franchise tag him and then find a way to get him a long-term deal. All right, speaking of wideouts, look at, let's look at the other side. Harry, I'll start with you. Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver Mike Williams. Should the Bolts tag Mike Williams? What do you think, Harry? Oh, this is a dicey one because I think Mike Williams is the best jump ball wide receiver in the National Football League. But you already have Keenan Allen making a ton of money. So do you want to pay two guys in your receiver group uh, a, 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 a ton of money? I don't know. But do I like Mike Williams on this team? Yes. So if I'm going to franchise tag him, I'm going to say no. Yeah, I'm with him on that one. I don't think I'm franchise tagging Mike Williams either. I think he's a nice to have. He's not a necessity. And when you look at the weapons that they have on that offense, the emergence of Donald Parham, you've got uh, Jalen Guyton there as a deep ball threat to go along with Keaton Allen's your more traditional possession receiver. Listen, it doesn't feel good. Mike Williams is a first-round draft pick for a reason. The guy's got some really special skills. But when you look at the cost of franchise tag a wide receiver, it's $18.4 million. So I, I think there are more creative ways that they could spend that money out there in Los Angeles when it comes to allocating resources around Justin Herbert. I think they need to continue to retool that offensive line. They took a step in the right direction by drafting Rashawn Slater and some of the new additions on that unit. I think they need to continue to fortify that group up front because the last thing you want is not to be able to keep Justin Herbert upright, especially knowing that he's going to be on a rookie contract for at least one more season. So to me, you let Mike Williams ride out in free agency and you get the compensatory pick. I don't think this is a franchise tag guy. All right, last one here for you, Chris. We're going to go to the Kansas City Chiefs. And no, it's not Orlando Brown. Teron Matthew, the all-everything safety for the Chiefs. Chris, should the Chiefs franchise Matthew? Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> Hell, Hell no. No, no. they need to let him go. And while we at it, we can let Frank Clark ride out too. You can go ahead and cut him as well. I don't like getting in the guy's pockets. But the juice just ain't worth the squeeze. They're not worth it. They don't deserve that kind of money. And I get it. It's only $13 million against your cap. 
but Kansas City is up against the cap because that Pat Mahomes contract extension is starting to kick in. You can't afford to do this with Tyron Matthew. For as good a football player he is, I just don't see the return on investment by doing this. That defensive side of the ball needs an influx of young talent. They started that with Nick Bolton. I think that they need to continue to do that on that side of the ball with this year's draft. The offense is pretty much solidified. You got all the pieces you need. You retooled the offensive line. I, I think you've got to focus on the defensive side of the ball, and I don't think you need to spend $13 million in an aging veteran safety in Tyron Matthews. Hey, Chris, I have to agree with you. Hell no. Nah, but Hell one thing no. I do know, the Honey Badger doesn't give a damn. The Honey Badger <laughs> doesn't care at all. The Honey Badger <laughs> wants to do his thing. But now you cannot franchise tag the Honey Badger when you have a guy like Orlando Brown, who's supposed to be protecting that $500 million man that you gave all that money to at the quarterback position named Patrick Mahomes, that somebody left off their top five quarterback list. But I'm not going to mention any names. But you cannot franchise tag the Honey Badger. You can't do it. I want you, Chris. Hell there it no. is. There it is. So that is the game of tag with the NFL opening up the franchise tag window today. We don't know of any players that have been tagged as of yet, but we'll keep you posted as we get updated with that news. But coming up next, should the New Orleans Pelicans look to move on from Zion Williamson? Really? Already? Harry and I'll have the answer for you on the other side of the break. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. HD and CC on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. Harry Douglas and Chris Canty. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Tune into ESPN Daily Podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters. Presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And Harry. One of the things that people are speculating about now is what the future holds for franchises that are seemingly out of the NBA playoff picture or the NBA play-in tournament. And, of course, that leads to reports that are leaking around the NBA about what teams are doing in preparation of trying to improve their fortunes. And so, according to one report, around the league, team executives are already bracing and or plotting for the next disenchanted star to ask out with speculation focused on Zion Williamson in New Orleans, Damian Lillard in Portland, and Donovan Mitchell in Utah. Now, our very own ESPN NBA analyst J.J. Redick had something to say about that in regards to C.J. McCollum and Zion Williamson not having any communication and what that meant for Zion's future with the Pelicans. This is definitely something. I, actually, this is this is a little bit insane to me. Um, there's a general uh, sort of decor, decorum of behavior that you should apply as a teammate. Look, I I wasn't the best player on any team I was on, but if there was a, a buyout possibility, if there was a trade possibility, I would always reach out to team. I, I called Ursan Ilyasova. I called Marco. I called Wes Matthews, trying to get him to come to Philly. Like, this just shows a complete lack of investment in your team, in the organization, in the city. I get that he's hurt and away from the team, but you just traded for one of the 50 best players in the league. So, Harry, do you agree with J.J.? Is this something or is it nothing? I do believe that it's something. When you look at Zion Williamson, Uh, Chris, let's just take it to this point first, right? You played in the National Football League. I played in the National Football League. We know one of the greatest things about playing a professional sport or any sport and even relationships in life is communication, right? 
And when you don't have that communication, a lot of missed signals and a lot of things can be interpreted the wrong way. Now, for Zion, they drafted him number one overall. And I understand that the pressure that comes, not the fact that I was a first round number one draft pick, but I understand what he's going through. Being a number one draft pick, uh, hasn't lived up to the hype. He's hearing these no- this noise about should the Pelicans have even taken him or should they took have taken John Morant? I understand that. Plus, he's had the foot surgery. He can't move around like he wants to. He's overweight. Then you have John Morant balling out and has the Grizzlies as the number three seed right now. I get all of that. But it has nothing to do with you being a pro. C.J. McCollum is one of the most likable guys in the NBA uh, right now. So for you not to reach out to him, it, it bothers me a little bit because you're, you're a young guy. And I remember the back end of my career – These young cats just think differently. They do things a a totally different way because I remember when I came in as a young cat, communication was one of the things that I had to do and you learned how to do. Now, I understand that he's going through this injury and he's not played up to the capabilities that we know he can play at. But to not contact a guy like C.J. McCollum, who does a lot with the NBA Players Association, the president, if I'm not mistaken, right, Chris? He's Mm -hmm. the president. To not contact him, um, I think it says a lot. But at the same time, you do have to be sensitive to what he is going through. And if there's anybody that that I feel like that can get to Zion, it's going to be C.J. McCollum. Well, I don't know that there's anything that C.J. McCollum can tell Zion that's going to change his position or his feelings about the organization. But to me, I'm agreeing with you and J.J. This is something, but I think this is more reflective of how Zion feels about the Pelicans and less about how he feels about C.J. McCollum being one of his new teammates for the time being. I don't think this has any bearing on the trade that they made with the Trailblazers. I think Zion saw what happened with Anthony Davis down in New Orleans in the set of circumstances that led to him wanting to force his way out, and he doesn't want to go down a similar path or waste years of his prime uh, in the NBA committed to an organization that, that seemingly hasn't done a great job with drafting and developing uh, talent to surround their superstar players. So I, I can understand both sides of this, but I, I can't fault Zion for, I guess, reading the tea leaves and saying this is not a place where I think my my natural abilities can be accented, where they can get me to realize my full potential. I can understand that. But, Harry, to your point, there's a way that you go about this. There, right. there is such a thing as professional decorum. And the fact that he didn't reach out to C.J. McCollum, I think is a flag on the play. But at the same time, I can understand a young guy that's not invested in the organization, um, not necessarily going about his business in a conventional way, just because he's trying to look for every avenue that would lead to him being able to get out of town. So I get both sides of it. But ultimately, I think this is an indictment on the Pelicans organization more so than the two players that are involved with this. And I don't, I don't think it's a good look for the Pelicans as well because you've seen what just transpired, what, three, two, three years ago with Anthony Davis and him forcing yeah, the his same, way out Yeah, the same there. year they drafted Zion was the yeah. same summer that Anthony Davis forced his way out, yeah. So I, I don't think it's a good look on the Pelicans' behalf as well. Yeah, but, I mean, there are other players around the NBA too that are being rumored in this report. Of course, Damian Lillard in that situation, he doesn't want to be traded from the Portland Trailblazers, <laughs> but – Based on the recent trades that the Blazers have made with the Pelicans and with the Clippers, it seems like that organization is tearing it all down. They've got a new head coach. They've got a new general manager. It feels like a natural transition point for 
Damian Lillard to find some place else where he can potentially contend for a title. So do you think that Dame is making a mistake by staying loyal to the soil in Portland? And should Portland leave the choice up to Dame on whether or not he stays with the organization long term? I think so because I think he's making a mistake because you see a guy, a young cat like Anthony uh, Simons, who who has emerged since Dame has been hurt, and then you see the departure of a C.J. McCollum. So I think Dame needs to go where he has an opportunity to win a championship. I do not believe that's going to be with the Portland Trailblazers. Now, I do love the job that Chauncey Billups um, has done because you see that Portland team being decimated and being down so many players still fighting and contending. I think if right now, Chris, they're in a 10th seat right now? Yeah, they're in a 10th seat. They're in a 10th seat. Yep. seat. Like, so that's, that's good riddings for a team who has not had all their guys throughout the season, especially your star player in Damian Lillard. So you look at the Portland Trailblazers, and I even look at this. If I trade Dame, I know I can get a lot for him. Let's build around Anthony Simons because he showed us that he can be that guy. And even when he started playing as a young as a youngster early on, you could see the flashes that he had it in him. Um, and I know people in Portland they're going to be probably sad about Damian Lillard leaving, but he has to start thinking about and doing what's best for him. Everybody is not Giannis. You've seen Giannis stayed in, in, in Milwaukee and won a championship there, but Giannis is also a big cat. He's a big guy. Giannis can Euro step from the three-point line and go dunk the ball. <laughs> Everybody's not built and, and have that makeup. Yeah, you're right. And Damian Lillard is at the tail end of his prime, so it's also something to consider. Anthony Simon is a restricted free agent, so that's that's something that they have to think about as well, who they're going to build around and who they're going to commit to long term. It feels like they can use Damian Lillard to put more assets around Anthony Simon and reset the clock in terms of that organization's timeline on when they when they expect to be a contender in the Western Conference. But coming up next... Does Aaron Rodgers' statement and comments make it any more likely that he's going or staying in Green Bay? We'll have the answer for you on the other side of the break. Harry Douglas, Chris Canney, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. They're willing, ready, and able to do whatever it takes to further entice Aaron Rodgers to remain in Green Bay. Well, and I think it's too little too late. The facts are Aaron has never been better professional. Like, he looks the part. I mean, he's, he just won his fourth MVP. What does it feel like to commit to a season that that's what I want to do? And the good thing is I still feel like my body, you know, is in a good place. Harry Douglas and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on the Candy call in line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. But, Harry, right now, we got to go out to the hotline to bring on ESPN Green Bay Packers reporter Rob Domofsky. And, Rob, I know you've been busy with Aaron Rodgers putting out the cryptic message on social media on IG last night. And in his appearance on the Pat McAfee show today, a lot of people are left wondering what the heck is going on with Aaron Rodgers and what is he trying to tell us. It feels like in both instances he was saying that those moves were a precursor to him making his decision on what he's going to do with his future in Green Bay. Do we have any idea of a potential timeline when Aaron Rodgers is going to make up his mind as to what his future plans are? Well, guys, I think we all thought it was going to be today, right, after that uh, as you called it, cryptic message. And I, I thought it was cryptic too last night. And then he goes on Pat McAfee and basically says, uh, Oh no, 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 no decision made that, that post didn't mean anything. I was just, I was just reflecting on, uh, on the season. So look all along, we, we knew one thing, this had to be decided. This has to be decided 
before free agency, which begins March 16th. But as you guys know, having been through it, I'm sure yourselves, is that really things have to be done before March 16th because once that happens, then, you know, it's a free-for-all. The league year opens, and it's and it's a wild, wild west. So they, they have to, uh, purely from a salary cap standpoint, they've got to know well before that in order to make the appropriate moves to keep some of these guys, um, you know, whether it's tagging Devontae Adams and trying to work out an extension or 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 whatever, or, or the opposite of trading guys or signing and trading them uh, so that you can rebuild if you don't have Aaron Rodgers. And, and look, Rodgers keeps telling us, hey, it's not going to be long. I'm not going to keep stringing it along. But the more and more he, he makes these public appearances without actually telling us anything, the more and more it reminds me of the Brett Favre sagas that uh, Packers fans and, and myself lived through in the uh, mid to late 2000s. Rob, can you tell our listeners how mind-boggling this is for the Packers organization when you don't know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do? You have to decide yeah. something with Devontae Adams. You ha- your, your cap space is not looking well right now. How mind-boggling right. is this for the for the Packers organization? Yeah, it, that's exactly what it is. I think it, it, you make a great point. I, I, in fact, it was it was last week when the Packers hired Tom Clements to be their new uh, quarterbacks coach. And by saying new quarterbacks coach, he's their old quarterback coach that Aaron Rodgers loved. He worked with him under Mike McCarthy here for pretty much the first, what, 10, 11 years of his career. And and I asked somebody, you know, over at the organization last week when this happened, I said, well, this this has got to mean that Rodgers is coming back, right? I mean, 68 year old Tom Clements doesn't come out of retirement to coach Jordan Love. And the answer I got was, well, we hope so. So, so the fact that they don't even know, I mean, like, look, if, if, if Rogers doesn't come back, you know, uh, why is Tom Clements here? And, and does Tom Clements then say, well, I thought I was coming back to coach Aaron Rodgers. Forget this. I'm going back into retirement. It's just, it is, it, it is mind boggling. It's, it's hard for them to, to really do business. Like, like there's nothing that they can really do other than some minor, you know, contract adjustments that they're going to have to make anyway to help with their salary cap. But in the big picture, there's really nothing they can do because it's plan A and it's plan B. And those plans are so different. One, if they have Rodgers for the season, and that's going you know, as all in as they can for another run at this or be rebuilt. So, yeah, they are in very much in a holding pattern right now. Talking with ESPN, Green Bay Packers reporter Rob Demosky on ESPN Radio. And Rob, with the franchise tag window opening up today, one of the big questions is, what are the Packers going to do with Devontae Adams? Because we all yeah. know that Adams and Aaron Rodgers are inextricably linked because that's his top target, yeah. that's his number one receiver, but that's also mm-hmm. his good friend. So how much of right. what the Packers do with Devontae Adams will signal which way the organization believes Aaron Rodgers is leaning with his football future? You make a great point, but there is one catch to this that regardless of whether Rodgers is here or not, they're going to tag Adams if they can't do a long-term deal. Now, if they, if they tag him and Rodgers decides to retire or play elsewhere, then they probably, you know, sign and trade him and, and move on that way. Not necessarily trading him to wherever Aaron Rodgers ends up, but just trading him uh, because they're in a rebuild mode. Uh, and, and if they keep Rodgers, obviously they try to work out a long-term extension, but you know, look, you guys know, I mean, the players don't want to play under the franchise tag, right? It offers you no security whatsoever. And from a team perspective, you don't want that gigantic cap hit on your on your salary for that one year that it would count on. Uh, and so it, it would behoove both parties to get a, a long-term deal done, whether Rodgers is here 
or isn't here. I would also make the argument that uh, if Rodgers does decide to retire, you know, everyone thinks that they're going to move on and, and, and move on from Adams and, and, you know, get something for him. To me, if you have Jordan Love or whoever it is going to be as your quarterback, don't, doesn't that make Devontae Adams even more valuable, that you need a receiver like him to help this new young quarterback? So, um, you know, look, I, I do think there is a natural tie there, uh, but I, don't, I think they're going to tag him regardless, uh, assuming they can't get a long-term deal done between now and March 8th, which is the tag window. Oh, and Rob, just to follow up with that, the franchise tag for a wide receiver is eighteen and a half million dollars. Just out of curiosity, yeah. given the Packers' cap situation and knowing where they have to be at the start of the league year, which is March sixteenth, that would mean mm-hmm. them cutting ties from some significant pieces that they have on their team, especially on the defensive yeah. side of the ball. No. Yeah, and no, you're right. And actually, and this is a weird quirk that the the Adams franchise number would actually be twenty point one million. And I'll Ooh. try to explain it quickly why. Mm. You are right that that is the receiver tag, but there's also this clause in there that it's either what the tag is or 120% of your last year's pay, whichever is greater. And that with the 120% rule, that gets Adams to 20.1 million. So it's even more. Right now they're 49 million over the cap. The one thing is if Rodgers does decide to come back, they're going to restructure this thing because his cap hit um, off the top of my head, I think it's $46.1 million. Correct. So yep. Obviously they'll, they'll do an extension, even if it's a dummy extension, with voidable years and get his number, you know, in a much more manageable situation. But yes, you're right. I mean, they're going to have to either cut or restructure guys like Zadarius Smith, Randall Cobb, Mercedes Lewis, uh, Mason Crosby, their kicker. I mean, there, there's a, and even all that, even doing all of those deals, whether it's cut or restructures, they're still going to have more work to do under the cap. And this is the price that they paid for basically going all in last year. Uh, they added all these void years and, and eventually those catch up with you. And it's exactly what the new Orleans saints are going through right now. When they did all this with drew Brees. the saints are the only team in worse cap shape than the Packers are right now. And it's no coincidence that it's, it's because of these two veteran, you know, uh, MVP type quarterbacks, Rob, as always, we appreciate the time and the insight. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys, take care. We'll be seeing you. That's ESPN green Bay Packers reporter, Rob Domofsky and, Harry, it sounds like a lot of tough choices that Brian Gutekunst, the general manager for the Packers, has Mm -hmm. to make. A lot. Yeah, it's not going to be easy for them. But coming up next, another general manager in the National Football League is dealing with a difficult situation with his star quarterback. Harry and I will tell you who that is on the other side of the break. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. You're listening to ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80 and ESPN Plus. This is Chris Candy, Rocket with Harry Douglas. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on the Twitter at ChrisCandy99, at HDouglas83. And, Harry, we've got more news on the Deshaun Watson front, and this is the latest. A Houston judge ruled Watson can be questioned under oath on allegations relating to nine of the pending civil cases against him, denying in part a motion by Watson's attorney to delay the deposition. Watson was originally scheduled to be deposed as early as this week, but his legal team filed the motion to delay until after April 1st to allow them time to secure depositions with all 22 of the women who are accusing or suing Watson and to allow Watson to 
to allow Watson the protection of knowing whether he will face criminal charges. So it's interesting because Watson's representation doesn't want him to be deposed in the civil cases because that can then be used against him in the criminal proceedings to follow. So this is all very convoluted. I'm not a lawyer. I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn last night, so I'm not going to try to get into the legal angles of it. But what I will do is talk about it from a football perspective, Harry, and recognize that all of this stuff isn't going to go down until we get to the month of April. Free agency starts in the middle of March. Teams are already in the franchise tag window, so organizations are formulating their off-season plans as to what they want to do at all of their position groups, but especially at quarterback for those teams that are quarterback needy. So Deshaun Watson seems like a chess piece that was going to be on the board, but now with the ambiguity surrounding his legal situation, I think this is going to make it hard for Nick Casario, the Texans general manager, to move Deshaun Watson this offseason. Yeah, and I just think it's the simple fact that I think the Houston Texans waited too long to move Deshaun Watson, mm. right? I think they were being greedy, and the Bible talk about greed, right? Mm. When you're too greedy, now you're in the situation of you probably won't even get what you want to ask for for Deshaun because this thing is being drug out so long and so long. And on Deshaun Watson's side, um, it's only a certain amount of things you want to say in that civil case, so it will not be used against you criminally. I went to school to be a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer licensed, but I went to school to be a lawyer. Hey, you got to throw that out there. Shout out to Louisville, Chris. Hey, even, now. Even hey, though, now. Even though UVA, even though UVA is a better school for law, I had to shout out to Louisville Cardinals. But L1C4, I that's see. That's right. But on the flip side of, of Deshaun Watson, um, I thought this move should have been made a long time ago, but the fact that pride and greed and stubbornness has not allowed it to. And now the Houston Texans are in a situation where they probably can't even get what they actually wanted for Deshaun Watson at the beginning of the asking, when they started asking uh, teams, uh, telling teams they're asking price. So it's just a, it's just something to learn from other organizations. When you have an opportunity to move a player of Deshaun Watson's caliber, do so. Don't be too greedy because you end up in the situation that you're in right now. Here's Deshaun Watson's attorney, Rusty Harden, on addressing the decision for Watson to be deposed in the nine civil cases. Law enforcement has taken its time to investigate. Uh, I'm in hopes that they'll reach a conclusion within this next month or so. I ask the court date to postpone him having to take his deposition until we know whether or not what they're going to do. Uh, the court uh, declined ultimately and said we're to submit depositions in a couple of weeks. I've tried to make clear that the obligation of a lawyer is to protect a client. And while there is a criminal investigation going on, it is only fair to wait to see whether it results in charges or doesn't before one decides whether you're going to submit somebody to depositions while they're pending. It's a basic rule of law I think everybody is, a, is very comfortable with. Harry, I think this is just a tough decision for Deshaun Watson as well because I know there are folks out there making the argument that he should have settled these cases even if he doesn't feel like he was in the wrong um, with these situations, these encounters with these massage therapists. But I think that part of it has sailed because we do have the criminal, criminal investigation element present when it comes to his circumstances. But all of this is just going to make it much harder for Nick Casario to extract maximum value for the quarterback. When you start talking about a player that's top five at the quarterback position, arguably, and he's in his mid-20s and he's under contract at a relatively reasonable rate, it, it, it starts to 
it starts to get to the point where you recognize how valuable that asset is, but then it's also frustrating if you're the Texans organization because you know you're not going to come close to the amount of draft capital that you're going to receive in return. So, again, to your point, the Texans might have waited a little too late to make this Deshaun Watson move, and now with teams not having the urgency because he sat out for an entire calendar year, not knowing how this legal situation is going to play itself out, I I think the risk is not worth it to make a decision to trade for him or to factor him into your offseason plans before you actually know how this movie is going to end with all of the litigation facing Deshaun Watson. And here's the worst part of it. If they can't move Deshaun Watson, um, we know he's not going to play for the Houston Texans anymore. So now you have to play, pay him that salary again. That, mm-hmm. that That's not a good look for the Houston Texans as well. So he's going to – I don't know what his salary number is. It might be somewhere – is it $30 million? Next year? It's it's up there. I think it's, it's in, up there. In, in the 30s, right? So you're going to be paying a guy $30 million to not play. So that's another reason why they should have just moved on from Deshaun Watson and stopped trying to play hardball. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. Like, Deshaun Watson knew he didn't want to play for the organization. They understood that going into last offseason, and yet they let the legal situation overshadow um, the organization making the decision that was in their best interest. And I get it because teams don't want players to dictate to them what's going to happen, and where they want to go when they want to get there. But I always say that the quarterback position is much different. The quarterbacks are like star players in the NBA because they're that one player that can make that much difference in terms of transforming an organization's prospects. Just look at what happened with the Cincinnati Bengals in two years with Joe Burrow. Look at how he's transformed that team. That's the value. That's the power of the quarterback position. And Deshaun Watson – has that kind of power. So that's the thing that you have to be cognizant of. And, Harry, to your point, Deshaun Watson does have a, a, a big cap hit this year for the Houston Texans. It's $40 million. Now, it's only $35 million in yearly cash, but it's $40 million against their cap this season, Don't which shows sense, you man. that it's, hard, it's hard for the Texans to move forward until they handle the Deshaun Watson situation. Yeah, it's, I mean, but it don't make sense to me. Like, you had an opportunity to move them. You had a lot of interest from teams in the National Football League. Now you're to this point. It doesn't make sense to me. It, it just doesn't. But I'll tell you this, and I, and I always said this when the allegations started to happen. Deshaun Watson shouldn't be worried about anything football-wise right now. He should worry about this legal manner and handling this first. It's the first thing he need to worry about and handle at this moment. Yeah, no question about it. And so that's still something that's costing him an opportunity to continue his NFL career. You're talking about prime years off of a quarterback's life. He's 27 years old this 20, in 2022. So this is a situation where you're talking about him not being able to continue his career because of a pending legal matter. He's not going to play for the Texans, and it doesn't sound like he's close to playing for another team anytime soon. But coming up next... Harry and I will get into what we think the best landing spot for Aaron Rodgers will be if he returns next season and doesn't want to play for the pack. This is ESPN Radio.